0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder of Project Purple, and today we're actually sitting in the Project Purple Podcast with the entire Project Purple staff. So, thank you guys for joining me and the wonderful producer Sam on an early morning here at the Project Purple Podcast. Welcome everyone. Thanks for thanks, having thanks us. Thanks for in. having us here, you guys. Have- awesome, awesome. Well on today's podcast, we're here to recap our historic and epic 2018 New York City marathon. And uh, we're coming off a couple days of the marathon and it's kind of like that marathon hangover as I call it where You know, we set a record. Chelsea did a great job running the team. We had the rest of the folks there down there uh, cheering on the team and being involved in the expo, meeting our runners, meeting prospects, and just taking in all that New York brings for the New York City Marathon. But Chelsea, from a record standpoint, you know, great job, first of all, managing the team throughout. It's really become a year cycle because I think people are naive to think, Uh, For charities that are involved in these major marathons that people just get involved 20 weeks prior, which is the typical marathon training cycle. I think we had people, I know, I I shouldn't say I think, I know we had one runner in particular, Dana Quinn, who was on this year's team who actually emailed me to get involved in the Project Purple 2018 team the day after the 2017 marathon. Yeah, right. So she was on the team literally for 364 days.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I think the thing that is so cool about uh, our bigger marathon teams and specifically New York is that uh, from my standpoint, I really get to know these runners. So, um, you know, the the previous year's marathon ends and we start getting applications in uh, and, and we start fundraising, you know? Um, we, we build that relationship with the runners uh, for you know nine or 10 months sometimes. Uh, and that's the really cool part. Um, we talk to them on the phone, we text with them, we email with them. Uh, and then when we finally get to that uh, race weekend, uh, we actually get to meet some of those runners that have uh, put in so much work for us and raised so much money. And also um, just connecting with them and, and hearing their stories is, is pretty amazing.
0: So for the listeners at home that don't know the numbers, what do we have final numbers? I mean, let's talk first about numbers of people who actually ran on Sunday, because we did have a couple of people get injured. Right. Um, just that that seems to be the norm, I think, as the years have grown. And for our listeners home, this is actually the sixth year. This was the sixth year that we we're involved with the New York City Marathon. So it's our longest standing marathon relationship. And. I guess we'll preface that by saying probably reason why we are so successful one of the reasons why clearly that we've been there the longest from our portfolio
1: right um i am i think that's one of the reasons we've been so successful and in addition to that you know our the amount of money that our runners Correct. raise every year you know yeah. that's that's helpful there is too. something special <laughs> in there i
0: mean i think there. just because we've been there six years doesn't mean that that creates automatic success to the success that we've had. And this year was exceptional, but every year has seemed to be exceptional because we usually get a lot more than what we
1: ask for. Right, right. So this year um, we had uh, 86 official runners. um, On race day. On race day, 86 official. Um, And then we had uh, five runners that had their own entry running with us. Um,
0: So for, let me just jump in there. So for our listeners at home, there's two ways of getting on the team clearly through the guaranteed entry system by fundraising and getting entry through us. But then there's, I think this year it was stated that there were 9,000 charity runners. And I did see the final numbers. I don't is that a know, record? I don't, 9,000 is not but i think the record that was set was the official finishers which was 52,670 finishers of yeah, the new york city marathon i believe that might be a record and i haven't seen anything officially come out and maybe they're still tabulating that um so out of the 52,000 9,000 are charity runners so that means you know roughly let's say we've got 44,000 other runners that are running for their own reasons And so out of that 44,000, if they would like to run for a charity, we hope they would run for Project Purple selfishly, right? Um, That'd be great. We'd have another uh, 44,000 runners on our team. No, um, you know, they can choose a charity of choice and most charities will accept runners that have their own entry.
1: And um, those own entry runners, you know, for people who don't know are... uh, it's, it's less of a commitment for them to jump on the team. Correct, yeah. You know, they, um, they can still fundraise, participate in all the team stuff, but um, it's, it's less of a commitment in terms of fundraising. Um, and then we also had uh, four runners who deferred from, from last year. They were injured runners who uh, were able to, to re-register for this year's race and train again. And, and a couple of them even raised additional funds for us this year, so it was pretty cool
0: so total on race day then with everyone combined
1: so we're looking at 86 plus five plus
0: four so 95. 95 yeah. runners which is historic and then in terms of dollars raised chels what what i mean i know this is kind of a sliding target right now but i believe this morning when i checked uh, we're at, we're at four,
1: 469,200. nine thousand two hundred dollars raised. And
0: I think with some matches we've got a really good opportunity of hitting that 475,000.
1: Yeah, we're we're looking good for 475. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah.
0: Which if we look on CrowdRise and I love looking at CrowdRise as the official charity list on CrowdRise, we are number 2 uh behind uh Team for Kids and in front of the V Foundation um and we are the only charity Other than Team for Kids, which raised uh, looks like six point three million, the only charity that raised more than four hundred thousand on CrowdRise with uh, with the New York City. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And how
1: many staff members do we have here?
0: Uh, that work on the race, (laughs) two. Well, we should say, yeah, between you and Marcy, uh, maybe two and a half, including my nosiness that I jump in every now and then (laughs) and send out emails or post on Facebook. But I just mean in
1: terms of the size of the organization when you compare it to other organizations. Correct.
0: Correct. And then if you look at, you know, the people that are involved, I mean, Katie's really brand new to the team and working on third party stuff uh sam our producer extraordinaire is an intern so he doesn't really work on much other than social media and then we have vin who you know works on our crossfit program and then marcy helps with the delivery and some of the deliverables that go out to the team and stuff like that so all told we are a very small group and i think this is uh, a testament to our hard work here as a team and then also the hard work of our runners and that's something that i think um, cannot be forgotten here is thanks to the 90 plus runners that actually believed in what we are doing and listened to what we were telling them to do and went above and beyond and that's probably a testament to this disease it is the number three killer soon to be number two we're in november which is pancreatic cancer awareness month and so there is a heightened alertness about the disease, you know, so uh, great job. And thanks to the runners, the supporters, the families, no one does it alone. And that's something that I think we saw firsthand clearly on Sunday with our after party where we had, you know, a ton of people come and enjoy uh, the, you know, the amazingness that some of these uh, folks did, uh, all the folks that ran for us, I should say, but not everyone in the after party had run the marathon. Let's put it that way. Cause there are a lot of people there uh, that supported it. So thank you guys for all the love and support. So I want to just uh, stay here with Chelsea for a second and maybe just talk about a couple of the stories because there were some pretty amazing stories that we had. And and there's so many. I mean, we had 95 runners and I think every runner warrants a story or two, you know, warrants, I should say, you know, time on their story. But for the podcast and not being able to spend you know we could probably spend four hours talking about every single runner and every single story but maybe there's like one or two stories chelsea that stood out for you and if you want to share that with our audience
1: um yeah so i think you know the one of the stories that really stands out to me um is uh this team of seven runners that uh, all come from one family the Mizawi family it was a group of, of three brothers and a sister, and some of their significant others that came together to, to run this. Um, and uh, the, the three brothers and the sister had lost their father to pancreatic cancer. Um, I, I believe, when was that, in 2017? Yeah. Um, anyway, this, this team raised over $36,000 uh for the new york city marathon for us um and uh, we got to meet them all this past weekend uh, and, and they were just so much fun to be around. Uh, it was amazing to hear their stories and, and how they kind of came together and how they all uh, worked together down in Atlanta. Yeah, they all they're worked all, together. They're, which they're is, all... fa- I think that's the most fascinating
0: <laughs> thing is like your family and then you work together. That's like really hard to pull off and not like kill each other. But yeah, they were really, really great people. I think the one of the funniest stories that I think came out of that whole group is there was one brother um Marty Marty who <laughs> brought all of his kids and they went walking that day
1: oh maybe I don't know uh, if I don't that know if that it was Marty,
0: Marty or... but the bro the family member who brought his kids he has like five kids and uh they walked to the brooklyn bridge the day before the race and i remember we were at the dinner and and i said to one of them i said so um how many people walked to brooklyn today (laughs) and they said oh that was so and so i forget who it was and uh i was like wow that's like really brave to do that the day before the marathon that you're gonna run 26 miles to be on your feet and i think all of them were kind of taking it easy some of them had come to um our luncheon with the top fundraisers and just they were relaxing sitting and they did a little bit of shopping and um, yeah that was really uh, that was really funny to see that but I know they all had a great time and being out on the course and seeing a lot of them run together was really special I think for me and I'm gonna ask the, the rest of the staff here but just for me I think the one really cool thing is we had uh, two survivors um, run for us and Rob who is a, an alumni okay. who ran uh, Chicago for us and then Rosie, um, who is from Ireland, came, and, and she's just got such. They both have such great personalities, and you know there was uh, Jody Chunard who was running for her husband Kevin, and she got injured. So I think like that connection. Holly Mitchell running Holly, for her partner yeah, who's
1: battling. That's
0: right. That's right. And Holly's run for us multiple times, and so I think that was something that was really cool to see. Um, is just those direct impact with those survivors. Um, and that's always special when you actually have survivors on the team running. So, um, I'm going to pass it over to Vin. Vin, what was your kind of, I know you, you didn't get to spend a lot of time cause you were busy with some CrossFit stuff on Saturday, but for the time that you were in the city, hanging out with the team, like what was your best story to
2: share with the audience? I think you stole a little bit of my thunder on (laughs) That's Um, why I went. (laughs) Um, For me, every time, I mean, this was my second New York marathon. Um, I was in Chicago too last year, that was my first one. Um, I think just the impact and the inspiration from the survivors. Um, Last year when we met Rob, you know, in Chicago, I mean, I was in tears on the bridges while we were cheering. Um, I just think that it brings inspiration, then meeting Rosie and then the other family members that were running for, people that are currently battling. Um, you know, for me, that just, it brings in everything together and why we're here, what we're doing. Um, you know, just to bring that hope. You know, there are survivors out there. There's not a lot, unfortunately, but there's a lot. There's a few, um, and that's what we're striving for. That's what, you know, these teams come together for, the, for marathons or whatever the fundraising is or awareness you know, that we do. Um, it's you know when I was down in Maryland you know, for that uh, for the event, I so just spoke a lot about the awareness um, and without that we don't have those survivors. Um, so I think for me that was the biggest thing. You know, there's survivors out there. We can get there. We can get to that level of some of these other cancers, and that's just what lights my fire and keeps me going every day to come in. Cool, Marcy.
3: My favorite experience, honestly, was just again like you guys said to piggyback off of that, sitting down with everybody and getting to know their stories of course a few stand out but everyone has a special part spot in my heart now and my favorite opportunity was simply to get out there speak to the runners themselves and the families of the people who support them and say thank you not only on behalf of our charity but on behalf of the patients who i deal with on an everyday basis so being able to say thank you and seeing their expression
4: really stood out the most to me katie i would say what inspired me the most was the people that, I guess, if you will, are the back of the pack people, um, because I personally identify with them. I've always been the person kind of plagued with injuries and going against everything within my own body and mind to complete a race. So to see them come through, you know, some struggling, some in pain, but always as soon as they saw us there was like a smile on their face and like a sense of relief like we were there and we were going to get them through so i found that to be incredibly inspiring because those are the people that are out on that course the longest those are the people that probably mentally kept telling themselves through the whole fundraising and through the whole training i can't do this um i'm not a runner whatever it may be but that day they were runners, and they finished with everyone else, and I just think it's remarkable, and they should be very proud of what they accomplished.
0: Yeah, it's pretty special. I think if you, you know, naturally, I was looking at time yesterday for our team, our finish times, and we had very few people finish under four hours, mm-hmm. and then we had an abundance of people finish, you know, four all the way to 11 and a half hours, which was, you know, Amanda and her sister. And I think that is really something special. Like it's, everyone I always say, Chelsea, you and I say this often, you're not gonna win, right? Like we tell the runners, like, and I said that- (laughs) Take the pressure off, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win and, you know, running marathons is really funny if we just break it down just from a simplistic standpoint that you know, as an athlete, you are not gonna win. Like 99.9% of the people know they are not going to win and they're still going to put their body through the pain, the agony, and the defeat in terms of not winning, knowing that that's the outcome, right? So it's really something special. Like, why am I going to put my body through all this? Why am I going to get, you know, chafed, uh, sore, um, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, it's just really... For anything other than accomplishment, personal accomplishment. And, and in our case, for our cause and our mission and that moment that those runners have. So it is really, really special to see that. And it's kind of fascinating just looking at the times for me because we had a lot of what I love to say is like the average Joe's. And I don't think we had many. I think when we pulled the room the night of the marathon mm-hmm. dinner, pre marathon dinner, we had a lot of people who were running their a first lot of marathon. Yeah, yeah, which is just really fascinating to me. Granted, New York is the largest marathon in the world. It brings a special affair, a love affair with runners and bucket lists. And I don't think there's no better stage, no offense to any of the other races, to PR or to run your first marathon. It's kind of hard, I think, for me, that wasn't my first marathon. Um, but it became my favorite marathon after running it a couple times. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, it's hard to come off that high to kind of maybe look at some other marathons. I mean, there are some really, really good marathons in the country. Mm-hmm. I just think it's hard. New York is so special because of the, the people, the location, the history, um, geographically, you know, running through the boroughs, you've got a lot of really historic landmarks. But you've got 4 million people that I don't think that gets replicated anywhere else. Chicago comes very close because of the size of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boston does as well in some parts. Um, But you don't get that many people on the course in Boston. You get them at the finish line. You get them in some of the the suburban areas. But you don't get them across the... I was reading someone's post. And they said on Facebook, one of our runners. and, And she hit it right on the nose. She said there were... You know 4 million people cheering screaming my name other than on the bridges and that was literally what it is like so it's pretty special
5: yeah i think I, I, going through my first marathon circuit as an intern uh like having gone to chicago and lincoln and um just like participating in my first round of marathons this was my first new york marathon and honestly it was just it was a completely different beast. Like it was, it was an entirely different experience with how many people were there, and the atmosphere, and they had different bands lined up along the blocks, and just it was a huge. People were still there. The amazing part too, um, not just the runners who, um, like Amanda and Kelly, and their friend Hannah, who were out there all day. A lot of the spectators were out there all day, and it's it's a different, it's a different level of commitment to go. I'm going to run this race. To I'm going to run this race, and I know it's going to take me all day. Sunrise to sunset, I'm going to be out there. And just to have that commitment is incredibly impressive because you have to think when they're training, some of their long runs also take just about an entire day of time, which is amazing. That combined with just the fact that people were still there to cheer people on at the end of the race, and that just created just a great atmosphere. They still had... um announcers and stuff like that and music and they were asking people questions as they were coming across the line it was just a really beautiful experience it was just extremely inspiring just new york is it's really something new special. Is new York's special new york
1: i mean new york is like it's the biggest most diverse city in the country so like what what better city than to have have a marathon in like it's it's amazing
0: and logistically like a nightmare to navigate oh sometimes. yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh
1: yeah goes along with it
0: if I can make a recommendation to the New York um, police or whoever controls the street lights as we said in the Ubers just make that 10 second delay when turning on right <laughs> is my suggestion if we could figure a way to change those uh, walk signs and traffic flow patterns I think then New York would be much easier to Dino
1: Borelli for New York
0: City mayor <laughs> I, I'm not running for mayor in 2020 I, I'll take a pass on that de Blasio can have that job or whoever else comes through there Um, One thing, um, you know, and Sam, you just hit, and I I think everything that everyone has said is just so on point, but I think the one thing for me, and I'll I'll take it back, like the story, um, you know, the survivors are important, but the one thing that was really different this year for me, being there the most six years was the finish. And mm-hmm. we had a runner, Amanda Sullivan and her sister Kelly, along with uh, the girl from the other charity, from the Dana Reeve, Dana and Christopher Reed Foundation, Hannah, who finished at about 8.30, and we were able to get down to the finish line. The security wasn't as, uh, you know, it wasn't
5: as it is when yeah. the
0: professional runners or when the And technically people... the park
5: was open at that
0: point certainly i think it's after seven hours then everything becomes public access Mm -hmm. but they do leave and this is i think what's really cool about some of these races new york does it um chicago does it uh i think twin cities does it where they do leave those finish line areas open for those slower runners and granted there are time limits the streets do open back up that's the six and a half hour time limit in new york and that six and a half hours kind of is like a rolling thing. So it's they have the sweep bus. And I, I, this was the first year I've, I've never seen a sweep bus. And being in Brooklyn, you know, I was in Brooklyn for that first chair zone around mile 12. And when Sam and I were leaving, the sweep bus was coming. And right after that, it's kind of an interesting, I'm always amazed by the coordination of not only, I mean, if you take a step back, you've got 53,000 runners most of them start sleep in manhattan they take the subway to the staten island ferry they take the ferry over to staten island ferry terminal then they get to fort wadsworth on buses and then they start running right on the uh, off through the verrazano and then through the five boroughs That's just the runners but then there's the security there's the police there's the barricades there's the sanitation i mean the logistics that has to go on for this thing and in all major marathons chicago included twin cities and a lot of the marathons we're involved in is just amazing like that coordination but you know new york being the biggest we'll talk about that so it's really fascinating when that sweet bus came through and then they ask the runners to move there's like three buses runners can hop on the bus if they want or they can move to the sidewalks but then about a half mile down now they're starting to break down like this barrier of like you know keeping traffic and pedestrians from being on the course and the fascinating thing so now fast forward to when we were down at the finish zone at around eight o'clock and i started to walk out to uh, 59th street to see, you know, if our runners were still there because the tracking had turned off at that point. After the time mm-hmm. limit the tracking turns off and it gives you this kind of weird notice that what they're not on the course anymore. Yeah. They kind of um, you know, have taken uh, some other means to to get to where they need to get to. But it was just fascinating that the park was open, there were like hundreds of people down there cheering, and then you have the runners that are still on the course on the sidewalk. And what was really cool, and I don't think I mentioned this, was as I walked down 59th Street, there were staffers in Columbus Circle for New York Roadrunners with flashlights and like... Um light up things like making sure that the people that were still walking or running the marathon were able to navigate through that area and get to the right area and get to where they need to be. Um, but that seeing that finish, and you know, Amanda, this is the second year she's done this for us. And we missed her last year. Um, you know, it was just really, really special. And I think that Katie, as you said, like those are the stories of the marathon, like the professionals are amazing, but they should be amazing because they train so hard for that. And they do a phenomenal job of representing their countries and their their strength and courage and everything they're involved in. But it's just really fascinating to see that aspect, you know, of of someone finishing a marathon in 11 hours. You know, whether it's a disability or they got injured. I know a couple years ago one of our runners um, tore her knee, like meniscus, and it took her a long time to finish. And you know, so it's just really, really powerful. And that's really. I think the story of the marathon, you know, that the the real people, not that the other 53,000 runners that came before aren't real either, but it's kind of special. It's different. So let's shift gears about chair zones. Because we had three chair zones this year, and the staff kind of divided and conquer. And I'll start. We'll go backwards. Marcy, you were at mile twenty-four. Yeah, but it was just shy of mile f- twenty-four. Yeah, so ninety-first and fifth. And what was the vibe? I mean, I think it's it, when we talked about this. It was kind of different from each chair zone. Just the looks on people's face and stuff. So, what 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 some feedback on that chair zone? And what do you think was you yeah, know so kind of the highlight of that? This chair
3: zone was in. Central Park location. And it was the charity chair zone. official charity chair zone. Official charity chair zone. So next to us across the street were all different charities that were partnered with the race. And everyone had, was supporting their own colors and rocking different apparel. Some had pom poms, others had those hand clappers. Some had the cowbells. We ourselves had brought in cowbells and those bam bams. I had my husband and kids with me to help support at the chair zone we tracked all of the runners that we could on the GPS until sometimes it went a little off the wall, but we did our best. And I wanna say we did a really good job at catching all the runners as they were coming up and then hooting and hollering for them to give them the extra support and the hopefully the uh, inspiration they needed to make it those final miles to the finish. The vibe from all the other charities were great. Everyone, you know, gets along, it's a whole different environment in ballpark. And the inspiration from all of the other bystanders that would just come in, oh, my son's passing, my husband's passing and want that quick shot. And then you hear their story, even though they're with another charity or with another organization, it's all the same. And everyone just feeds off of each other. And and that mentality grows in the um, atmosphere and enthusiasm of everyone just never ends, never ends. We were out there for hours. And the hooting and hollering just kept on going. You just don't stop. They can't stop. You can't stop.
0: Cool. Yeah, that was, uh, I was able after my chair zone to get up there. And I think the one thing that I took away from that was that energy was so right spot on because that is the top of the hill of Fifth Ave. And it's also right when you get into Central Park, which Central Park still has a couple hills in it, Um, not big ones, but a hill at mile 24, regardless of the size, is still uh, very intimidating and, and not what you want to see at the end of the race. Um, but that's, I think, the extra you know, oomph to get them through mm-hmm. the next two miles a with a smile on their face. I will say this. I think for the time that I spent up there, there were a lot of people that as they were running – did not want to stop because I think no. the after they're, they're in were the like, zone at that they're point. in the zone, and they said if I stopped, I wouldn't be able to keep going. Exactly. Uh, I think Brannigan was one of them, and she was like, yeah. "Oh a no, I can't wave. stop." And a little smile, <laughs> yeah.
3: head nod, yeah. and they just kept head down and got up. That there road. were a lot of heads
0: down yeah. in that area. It's
3: about business. Yeah, yep. they were
0: all business at that point.
3: But I actually really liked and enjoyed that chair zone area because we could also see. Our visibility of the runners coming was amazing. So it was really easy not to miss anyone.
0: Yeah, that was... I think a great area and I hope the New York Road that was the official charity chair zone for all, well, not all the charities, but a good handful a of good charities. Chunk. I think there were 30 of them there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope they continue that effort because I think it was a great idea and there's probably gonna be some tweaking as we had talked about yeah, you know, with the area. Yeah, there's always
3: improvement. Yeah,
0: improvements to be made, And um, but I think it was a great area and yeah. it was a lot of fun.
3: And regardless, I would love to go back to that location again next year because it was that much fun.
0: Yeah, that was a good and one. And inspiration. So for the guys that were at, our second cheer zone was 110th and 1st. What are some of the things that you guys saw? I mean, so this has been a couple of years. I think we that's always been our cheer zone. So for six years, we've always been at 110th and 1st.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's a great location because we're right at mile 18.5. Yeah, 18. Yep. Um, as we say, where the wheels kind of start to fall off for some people. So it's a good spot to be. Um, I also think there's... a it was pretty crowded this year, but there's a little more room to try and like pick out runners as they're coming through. Um, and, uh, you know, me having worked with the team for so long, uh, I kind of have the advantage of, uh, being able to like identify who people are and call, call out their names early. So I spent a lot of time doing that up at that cheer zone. Um, but at some point we got up there, what, around like uh, 945 45. or something Ish, yeah. um and then at some point uh we had this huge band show up yeah. across the street so <laughs> which was amazing um they were awesome they yeah. were the lesbian and gay big apple core symphonic band in new york so um we did have our own little band coming later so we <laughs> were a little you know worried about how that was going to work out but it ended but it up actually being
2: timed out pretty, pretty cool. good because they took a break and then it was almost right about when our three guys got there. Um, our so drummer. Were, our, our drummer and two, trumpet, two trumpets. Two trumpets. You know, so they yeah, were able to play while they were taking a break. The thing I like about that chair zone too is the same thing happened last year. There's a guy up on the 15th floor of one of those buildings yeah. that pulled out his trumpet.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. And was playing right. at the same yeah, time. Yeah.
2: So he would echo some of our people. And then when our guys left, he was still up there. Um, so again, like we were saying before, just the mass of people along the course that was it's pretty special you know he has you no know, time i don't know if he has ties to the marathon or anything but he's just out there on his balcony just playing the trumpet and that's new york for you, it's amazing <laughs> yeah
1: and just so everyone knows vin held the flag the entire seven or eight hours that we were out on oh, the course 11 11? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay no. i think Ben was out there for 11 yeah. but uh, i don't think anybody took yeah. the flag from him nope. he held it the entire time <laughs> yeah.
0: it's cool pretty cool yeah. Katie, your first time there in the chair zone. Yeah, I
4: mean, it was incredible. I have to echo the fact that, you know, all the residents that were in the area, it was wonderful. I mean, we had another lady that was out there. She was a comedian in herself. Oh my goodness. She had us all laughing and she was asking the runners if they needed an Uber (laughs) and she was running and grabbing them a bottle of water at the convenience store if they needed it. so I think just being a part of that, even just like the police officers that were stationed near us, we had such a great time with them. It was like, you felt like you're part of a community. Okay. And then mm-hmm. as the spectators mm-hmm. kind of went, saw their runners come through and it kind of got a little bit quiet. I really enjoyed that moment because it was like kind of just us there with our flag and our cowbells. And I'm looking up at the windows around me when we had like a quiet moment and all I'm thinking, these people are probably like, girl, you've been out here since 9.45 AM, it's five o'clock and you're still ringing that cowbell. So, but they're all just there and excited to see us there and, you know, coming out with their families. And it was really wonderful to be a part of it.
2: I think that location's, like you said, it's perfect location, especially this year because of the other cheer zone. So we had a bunch of people I know Brannigan and Marissa. Their families, um, they came to ours, and as soon as they passed, they were able to jump up a few miles and get to another spot. You know, to we were mile 18, so right down the home stretch to get there. Um, and you can see it on the runners' faces as they come through our, our spot. Like as, once they see a loved one, it, they get that extra kick in their step. Um, I like that cheer zone. I mean, it's my second year there. Um, it's perfect for me. I, I like it there. It's a lot of people. You know, spotting the people, we have a nice system to spot our runners and grab some pictures and
1: I think we got some good photos this year. I think,
0: I think we did, we did. Yeah, yeah. I haven't we haven't gotten the photos yet, but I've been told they're on their way and I hear there's some, <laughs> some good ones up at hundred and tenth and first. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for us, Sam and I were in Brooklyn and this was the third year or fourth year being in Brooklyn and last year we had become friends with uh <laughs> one of the the two of the gentlemen who lived in the apartment where we set up because of the megaphone noise um, all jokingly and then this year going back i had uh, become friends with one of the owners a gentleman by the name of noah he's a really great guy and this year he you know he said it last year he offered us his apartment for use of bathroom for charging stuff and he even brought out Leftover Halloween candy this year. <laughs> um, unfortunately, he's a big Browns, Browns, Cleveland Browns fan, and the Browns were playing, and he, he was dressed in his Browns garb. Um, down to the shoes. Down shoes, to the shoes. Everything. The guy does not uh, mess around, and um, and he had to leave, but he was there early on with his dogs and helping support, you know, our mission and stuff. And we've become friends, and and via, you know, just through this cheer zone. And I think that story echoes what Katie said. And not so much where Marcy was on 91st and 5th, because I think it's all charities, and and the residents really don't, maybe they do come out, but um, I think that's what's the really special thing, one of the special things, there's so many things, but like, New York brings it, like these people get so involved, and and Brooklyn, I I was going to say this early on, it's pretty fascinating with the flags, and I don't know if this happened to you guys up in Manhattan, but... People look at the flag yep. and go, oh, like I have a friend. Or, yep. you know, I remember in years past being in Brooklyn, some lady came up to us and was a pancreatic cancer survivor. And yeah. she didn't know about us until she saw the flag. And so, yeah, the flags are up. We, you yep. know, we use these telescoping 20 foot f- uh, flagpoles for our runners to see, to know where we are. But they're also up there in, in, in a way for awareness for the general public. And that's the fascinating thing. I know in Brooklyn, and Sam, you can probably talk a little bit about this. I had the the megaphones. We had two megaphones in Brooklyn. They were working well for a little bit, and then they kind of kiboshed. Uh, I don't know if it was batteries or if they're just getting old. But uh, time maybe, for a
1: new megaphone, maybe. Time huh? for a new <laughs>
0: megaphone. Uh, I've got I've got an idea for next year, and it involves something oh, bigger than a megaphone. But we'll, we'll <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> oh,
5: good. I'm glad.
0: Um, but no. So in in serious, I think you know it was fascinating. Um, I did bring a three foot step ladder this year, so I was elevated. Um, I did have a gold jacket on for that a little was a while. Which that was no mistake, mistake. That was awesome. Because I think I think the runners didn't realize the, who the guy in the gold jacket was. I talked
1: to Peter Riddle after the marathon and he was like, Was Dino wearing gold? Yeah. Uh like I gotta find a purple fluorescent.
0: Satin. Like I'm gonna find so this is for two thousand nineteen. I'm gonna find a purple fluorescent satin jacket to wear a shiny on purple shiny jacket. shiny purple. Sick. Um, so if you're out there listening and you sell <laughs> shiny purple jackets, uh, please email not. Dino at ProjectPurple.org and I will try to find uh, try to buy one uh, for the marathon next year. Um, but I think the one thing, as I was saying, was you know just being loud um, and having a good time and cheering on the runners. Um, whether it was our charity or other charity, um, I could see a lot of people walk by Sam and like look up at the flag yeah. or like look at our shirts. We had a small crew there. Yeah. Um, we didn't have as many people as we've had in the past, but I just think like that was something that's really special and just meeting random strangers that now know about the cause and um, having a great time. I mean, I've always said, when I stopped running these marathons back, and 14 was my last one, and I made a commitment in 15 to be at the cheer zone, and that's when we started Brooklyn, was like, hey, I'm going to have the best time that I can have and cheer on these runners that are pretty amazing. And regardless of whether they're our charity or they're other charities or they're just open runners, I, I think that's just the spirit of the marathon. Like, it's so amazing for what those people are doing, you know. People who run for charity, I think, do go above and beyond just going in through general entry because they're making a commitment to raise funds and raise awareness for whatever cause that is. So I think that's even, you know, bigger and better, Um, but still running a marathon. I don't want to, you know, say like, hey, just because you're running a marathon, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. But so that's really special, I think, is just raising the awareness and having a great time and cheering everyone on, regardless of, you know, who they're with or how they got into the marathon? Yeah. I, I saw that
2: I saw that a lot at 110 and first with the flag too, um, more so than last year. I feel like I just wasn't aware of it last year. Last but, year the weather was crappy, yeah. Yeah, you that's know. True. I think that's like maybe kept people away from yeah. talking. So people would see it and they'd be like, "Pink, cancer. Thank you for what you do." Or I ran for you two years ago, three years ago, or something like that, um, which just is a testament to you know what we're doing, what you're doing on the running side, and building that community, yes. Chelsea. Um, but also, I mean, as I was looking down the road and holding the flag, I kept feeling like a tug on it. And I was like, what the? I thought I was dropping it. But people used it as, like, at mile 18, they would jump up and touch it. And that it sort of, as you were talking about it, just like I remembered it. it, it was sort of one of those inspiring things for me, too, as, you know, they're coming up that, you know, First ab, it's a slight uphill, very mm-hmm. slow, but very every slight, in, yeah. incline is <laughs> painful at that, that point. point. <laughs> um, they, you know, I think they just were people were just jumping up to touch it. You know, obviously they're looking at it, like you said, the awareness, mm-hmm. but it just gave not only our runners but other runners like a little bit extra juice to you know. Finish those last few miles,
4: yeah. Because at one point, Vin's like, Do you think it's too low? Like, am I, am I, are people <laughs> yeah. saying I, I'm too close <laughs> to them as they come up? And I'm like, No, I think they're connecting with us. Yeah. I think that's their way special. of saying, like, awesome, like, great to see you here and I made awesome. an impression,
1: yeah. I think, as um, all of us being staff members and spectators on marathon weekend, um marathon day really is like the true culmination Mm -hmm. for all of us of everything that's happened up to that point. I mean, we have a lot of really neat things that go on uh, during New York City marathon weekend for our runners. Um, But uh, I will say that on Saturday night when we're done with everything that's come before that and all we have to do is go to bed and wake up and celebrate and cheer the next morning Uh, i really really look forward to that moment Uh, and it's it's really cool yeah
0: cool so talking about now uh, this is the hard thing and i said this on monday maybe i said it sunday night like all right the book's closed now we go to 2019 right so 2019 as we said and we've already had people reach out so there are some people again uh, that have reached out that want to be on the 2019 team so here we go we're starting 364 days ahead of time well we're a little bit ahead of it right now like 360 or 359 so what are some of the things you guys are looking forward to 2019 And we'll start with Katie, since she's the newest.
4: I would say since, you know, I had only been here a month before we were there, I'm looking forward to kind of feeling a little bit like Chelsea was feeling, where you've worked towards it and seen everybody work towards it for the year. Um, I could see how it could be really an emotional thing for the staff, just because You're, you know, we're in here and we're working so hard, and we always stay connected. But when you're out there and you actually shake hands and give hugs and see somebody complete like something that was on their bucket list or something they never thought was possible, there's something so powerful and emotional about that. So I'm looking forward to being more connected and and fully being able to experience it next year. Cool. Yeah. Marcy. So, like Chelsea was saying before, there's that calm before
3: the storm. We work up to this all year long and then the night before the marathon, you're in the hotel, you go to bed, it's the calm before the storm and then you wake up and the adrenaline starts flowing and you just can't wait to get out there and see the race and meet people and let our cause be known and see our runners and then afterwards see everybody and they're still smiling after 11 hours with their accomplishments. So one of the greatest things I'm looking forward to for next year is seeing who returns, who comes back and. You know, now hopefully I've made those connections or right off the bat, I can um, be a little more personable and see how they've done throughout the past year. And then also to meet the people who we have yet to meet who want to sign up with Project Purple and who are connected to pancreatic cancer Mm -hmm. and, and help them and learn their stories.
2: Cool. Yeah, I think it's just piggybacking off those things. For me, it's just, it's building this family that we have and that you've been building since you started this organization. Um, you know, getting to know the runners, I know Chelsea does a great job. We have a small office, so you know, she will share stories you know, across cubicles. and you know, we don't really as a like Katie was your first one. Last year was my first one, and this year was a hundred times better than last year because I was more interactive with the runners this year. I got to know them more um, through the full year of Chelsea working with them and going through them. Um, you know, I'm looking to be more involved with that, you know, next year and getting to know them better. And those people that come back, um, you know, cheer them on and already know them. But like I said, just building that family. Um, because I do think that's something special that we have in with our community and our alumni and the future alumni is, you know, we're, we're all in this fighting together for the same cause. And I think that our alumni think the same thing, um, and they've said it to us that it's it feels like a family to them. Um, you know, so it, for me, it's just looking to build on that.
1: Um, you know, Dino started this charity <laughs> back in 2010, um, and and I've uh, been fortunate enough to be a part of it for you know over two years now, um, and there have been so many people along the way. That have helped make this charity what it is today, and make Project Purple who we are today. Um, and I think I'm I'm just really looking forward to uh, seeing all of the amazing things that Project Purple does uh, in 2019, mm-hmm. and seeing uh, you know just how much we'll grow in 2019 and what we can become. So.
0: Well, the bar set really high, and I think that's uh, a testament to everyone's hard work here internally, but also the hard work of our, our runners. And so uh, it's exciting to be on this journey. Um, the journey's not over. And uh, I can't wait to see 2019. I mean, part of me says, I wish it was next weekend. Um, but I enjoy, uh, similar for those who know me, You know, playing athletics, I always said, I think the enjoyment for me and even running marathons, I personally hated race day (laughs) because I was always stressed out about like, am I going to miss the start of the race? And even though we tell the runners like, hey, you don't start (laughs) until you cross that finish line. To me, the most exciting part of this is that journey and that starts day one when people apply, and it ends when, it you know, it culminates when they finish, you know, and, and they get that medal and then they come to the party. So I think, for me, the exciting stuff is everything that happens in between. It's that grinding out, it's that, you know, getting people who have never gone past, like, three miles to get there. And we had so many runners this year. It was just so fascinating. I know chelsea and i talked about this at length about some of the training and the mm-hmm. questions and you know just not necessarily i don't call it hand holding because we're not holding we're not holding little kids hands but just the coaching i think is probably the better term of through that um, because we've been through it and so i think that to me is like the most enjoyable thing about this and that's the hard work and the hard work does pay off so yeah. i'm excited for 2019 thank you guys for all the hard work Thank you to all the runners, supporters, donors, friends, families that supported this New York team, and all our teams for that matter. 2019 has been a record year for us, and uh, we can't wait to close the books and move forward to 2019, and uh, really appreciate everyone for all the shares, the likes, and... um, you know uh, we do have a couple races we are recruiting heavily right now for Chicago Marathon the New York City half marathon which has always been a great way to get ready for the New York Marathon hey,
1: and for those of you that just ran the full marathon like a half is nothing yeah so, yes. You know?
0: so jump on that half team that's a great race with the new course that NYR redesigned this past year and we've got a lot of slots we always have a big team and that's become probably our so uh, it ebbs and flows second and third most popular race here at project purple behind um, new york and chicago so thank you guys for all the love and support thank you to the staff for another great job another great year the year's not over but another great new york city marathon and uh, as we say here in the studio that's a wrap and we'll talk to you next time